Hey guys, welcome to Pardon the Disruption. I am your special guest host today, RJ Bass III, the man doing deals all across the country, way more deals than all four of our esteemed <laughs> guests today. Uh, you know, normally the way this show works is, is the previous champ starts off by introducing himself, but I'm the host today and I'm the previous champ, so... I guess uh, we're just going to have to pick a random order, but the way the show works is we have five pre-selected questions. Uh, we know for a fact three of our guests know the questions. CJ has no clue what he's going to be talking about today. Uh, I will award the winner of each question, and then I think I'm going to pick a random sixth question. I think that's what I'm going to do today. So it should be a fun episode. Uh, we're going to start off by introducing what I claim is the greatest cash buyer in all of real estate investing, Mr. Eric Brewer. Appreciate you, RJ. Um, much better, actually, looking at your face than Potter's. Um, I know I was going to try and be a little nicer, but it's not going to be to Potter today while he's gone out in Jacksonville <laughs> in that sleazy Airbnb he's in. Um, by the way, for those of you, um, that want to know how to do novations. If you ever wanted more proof that you should be doing novations, RJ and CJ partner on wholesale deals and split like 2300 bucks a piece on their <laughs> They've done two of them now in the last, I don't know, two months. Um, stop doing just wholesale. We average 25000 <clears throat> a novation deal on other deals that most investors pass up. I'm out of central PA operate in uh, about seven different markets in three states. Excited to be here and uh, glad to have Leon here today, classing up the, the cast a little bit um, where I normally have to sort of hang out with these uh, demons for an hour every day. Is there a buzzer <laughs> on this guy? Scholarly dude like Leon here. No. All right. Interesting approach. Trash talking the, the judge. Leon, what you got today? What's up, everyone? Leon G. Barnes. Eric, appreciate you saying that. I think in order to class up this joint, all you have to do is wear a collar uh, to the show, which, you know, that, that, that seems to spice it up a little bit. Um, we are excited for today. Uh, all of us, I think, we're excited because we know at least, even if we don't win, we're going to get across some great points that are going to help our audience. And we'll actually have someone that can make a decision. Excited to have you in that in that spot, RJ. I appreciate that. You know, I'm. I mean, I'm. I'm very decisive. Some would even say I'm consistent as a tree with my decisiveness. <laughs> um, Steve, what you got for us today? What's going on, everybody? Steve Trang, real estate disruptors. Super excited to spend time with our extra, extra special host. We'll see where this goes. I think by the end, we're all going to be tied with zero points, <laughs> the way things are going, if not negative points. Um, we just launched Sales Disruptors a few weeks ago. We already have people coming through talking about how they're getting more contracts than they've ever had before. So if you guys are struggling with sales in any way, go to salesdisruptors.com. We'd love to help you out in our sales community. Steve, riveting intro. Uh, You're welcome. Last and certainly least, um, if Eric's the greatest <laughs> buyer um, here is the 667th best cash buyer in the world <laughs> tj what you got for us you as well 
Uh, this question is uh, a hot topic nowadays in 2023. So agent outreach or direct to seller marketing, which is more effective in 2023? Eric? I think the, the real answer um, is you should be doing both. But if I had to choose, like there's no reason you shouldn't be doing both, right? If you can market um, direct to a seller that can bring you a deal, um, 90 plus percent of all transactions happen through a real estate agent. Um, I think too, too often we fight over um, a big piece of a very small pie that's off market transactions. Um, and we, I think, unfairly believe that no deal to be had the instant a real estate agent is involved. Um, so if I was operating on a very minimal budget, um, I would go agent outreach first, um, provided um, you're in a market where there's enough inventory in, in my home market. Um, there's not enough listings. I could talk to all 2000 real estate agents here and maybe once a month, um, drum up about three or four deals, but on a low budget, just getting started. I think agent outreach is a low risk way to get a few deals under your belt. All right. So, uh, Leon, just to be clear of the question, since Eric wasn't, it's which is more effective agent outreach or direct to seller marketing um so apparently to be clear also we don't have buzzer uh this uh this particular show so i'm gonna go as long as uh, eric just did um the more effective is direct to seller now this is something that especially prior to last year when the market shifted uh direct to seller has always been the number one way um, to get sellers, right? Um, but I will say this, uh, to Eric's point, you should be doing both, especially if you're dominating direct to seller through advertising, um, you should be ad adding agent outreach. If you are looking to scale, you need to do both. Prior to last year when the market shifted, agent outreach, um, I won't say it died down, uh, but you just had less opportunities because agents, as soon as they had something in their hands, they were able to sell it. So agents right now, especially since April of last year, I've seen more and more people doing that as their primary uh, way to get deals. So the answer, the true answer is that direct-to-seller is more effective, but you should be doing both. Yeah, very informative answer there, Leon. Steve, what you got for us? We got to figure out this buzzer situation because that was outrageous between the two of them. So I would say the answer really is dependent on where you are, what season you're in your business. You know, if you're if you already have a successful uh, uh, direct to seller business, I think adding it uh, can be you know something effective to add to. But I think that at the end of the day, what's going to be most effective consistently will be um, direct to seller marketing. You know, we had a really smart guy come on my show in March of 2020, right before COVID. And he said that we are all in the business of direct to seller marketing, right? That is the single most valuable skill every single person on this panel has. And I think that will always be true. 
if you're already doing one well, you can add the other one. But for the most part, I think direct to seller is still the most effective, most reliable. Like that, CJ. What you got for us? I say this respectfully uh, as a marketer uh, and investor. Uh, if you allow marketing and social media to make you think that agent outreach is the best way to get deals in 2023, uh, you don't know real estate, uh, and you should you should run the opposite direction. Will deals be available through agents on the MLS? Of course, direct to seller marketing by far is the most consistent. It's the best way to market. And there's like Eric said, I mean, imagine you live somewhere like York, PA. All right. And there's only but so many deals available on the MLS. Now, everybody gets on their on their iPhone or their Android like RJ and they scroll through their feed. All right. And they see ad after ad after ad telling them how great it is to uh, to do deals with agents over MLS. Now, everybody's flooding the MLS, trying to make offers, trying to make deals happen. Uh, look, by and far, direct to sellers the way to go. Uh, it's nothing better than sitting at somebody's kitchen table making a deal and uh, cutting up 2300 bucks with my friend RJ Bates. Can't beat it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't say it earlier, right? So, like, you know, the smart guy, I mean, uh, CJ, right? Like, having that was that was his big message when we were talking was just direct to seller marketing for all of us on this show, for everyone and all the successful masterminds. Like, that is the skill that will. If you're good at that, it doesn't matter what's happening in the market, right? If you can get in front of a seller and you can talk to him, have a real face-to-face -face conversation, you will survive any market. The agent thing, I mean, yeah, I think it's great right now, but I would not want to build a business around that. It's too, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Realtors are crazy, and I would not want to <laughs> run a business that's reliant on, on realtors. But we I will give you Go ahead, Leon. Go. I'll give you two examples. I've had two investors that have reached out to me recently to join the Collective Genius, and both of them, to Steve's point earlier about seasons of their business, each of them are in major metros uh, in the South that have grown their business through agent outreach only. Each are averaging between 50 and 70 transactions a year just by agent outreach. But in order to scale their business, they're coming to a community like ours to figure out what everyone else is doing direct to seller, which is the more effective side. So you can build a business, but to a point, utilizing that strategy. It's effective, but not as effective as direct to seller marketing. Yeah, and I think we got to speak to the impact that agents have on investors just in the normal course of business. You know, when an agent's involved in a transaction, for most of America, a real estate agent, you know, whether it's a good that thing is still seen as the credible source of information for most people. Uh, and so I think, you know, you create great difficulty at scaling and doing a lot of business when you're going, you know, solely through agents. Uh, so I think everybody, regardless if you have an agent outreach component in your business, you should 110% if you do also have a direct to seller approach in your business as well. It would have been really tough. One, one last point here. It would have been really tough to scale a business and grow a business if you started in 2020 or 2021 with just agent outreach because agents didn't need investors to move deals, right? Even those houses that we've talked about on here before, those $5,000 houses or $10,000 houses in some Midwest markets, that no one wanted, everyone wanted because inventory was so low. It would have been really tough to see. Now, 2023, where the market has, especially last year, um, you know, April, May, 
we start to see a market shift, there's more opportunities there. Agents are now having to have conversations with investors. Agents are, realtors are more motivated today than, than homeowners. Anything to add to this or did you just bow out? I'm trying to figure <laughs> out how to dumb down my intelligence to a level to where I could <laughs> like, like, first of all, who here actually does any agent outreach? I do. Personally? Yeah. Personally, none. Team, yes. On a consistent basis. It's part of your business plan. You have KPI. You have numbers attached to it. You have a goal. You have a process. Not I go to meetups and hand out my business card um, to, to people that I hope that they send me deals or I reach out on MLS deals. Like, it, like everything you talked about when it affected real estate agents, affected sellers and like and wholesalers were more motivated than, than, than agents and home sellers six months ago. They were the most desperate people in the world. Um, you know, so when I'm talking about agent outreach, I'm not talking about on MLS listed stuff. I'm talking about there's the ability to be able to take an agent. We share our data that we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on that most real estate agents don't have access to or know what to do. We coach and teach them how to do outbound uh, marketing to sellers, because I think if you line up 100 sellers and they get a message from an investor about selling your house the easy way, quick and easy, all that stuff, and you line up 100 homeowners and they get the same message, to RJ's point, from a licensed, credible, sometimes earned, sometimes assumed credible real estate agent, 90% of those people will start their home selling process with an agent. So if you have a relationship with that agent where you've potentially provided the data, you've given them some insight and some tools and some, some, some training around how to communicate with that type seller, when they get that deal, it's still off market. It comes to you first and it only makes it to the MLS if I don't buy it. That for me is how we treat agent outreach, not calling or sending out shotgun offers on the MLS on stuff that's already listed. Chad, I hate to say this, but Eric actually sounded really intelligent there. That sucks. <laughs> really heard what he had to say. Um, Elias, I don't know if it's possible, but if you can, um, I'm going to award this round to Steve. I liked how hard in the paint he went. If you one, uh, his defense for <laughs> – Agent outreach was to teach agents how to do direct to seller marketing. That's adorable. So you're going to go teach them how to earn a commission for you. We call those team members. So yeah, there you go. Negative one for EV. you guys make commissions on your wholesale deals of 8,300 bucks. Like an agent commission would be higher on that deal. So I wouldn't turn my nose up at commissions that are higher than your profits. <laughs> they get a mute button for Eric. Okay. All right, so moving. Congrats, Steve. Good, good job. I tell hard you. Put on that one. All right, second question. We all know that glue guys and gals. For them. those of you that don't know what that is, it's a role player. Okay, <laughs> help teams win championships. What position on your team do you consider the most important role to winning consistently, Steve? I'd say it's the same thing. Um, the person that can keep the team glued together and rowing the boat in the same direction um, is really easy for all, if you're running an org a larger organization, for everyone to get kind of 
compartmentalized and are focused on their thing. And you can have this us versus them environment. You can say, you can see like, I'm doing this. I'm carrying the weight. That guy's not doing what he's supposed to do. The person that can keep everyone's morale up, keep a bead on everyone's emotional, um, uh, keep an eye on their morale and keeping everyone uplifted and positive. I think that is the person that can really make sure that everyone's moving the same direction. Again, Eric brought this up last week or the week before about the the, uh, the yeah, college yeah. player that, that went around and lifted that guy's chin, right? Because he was feeling really bad about himself. I think that's the person that you don't have a return on investment. You don't have a return on capital with that person, but that person keeps the, the company focused on the mission at hand. So, you know, the, uh, the unspoken uh, leader, right? The one that doesn't get all the credit. That guy, I think, is the most important person. Shout out to PJ Fleck with the uh, rowing the boat reference there by uh, Steve Trang. I like that. Go Golden Gophers. CJ, what you got for us? <laughs> Look, I, I think the most important team member for sure is an integrator. Uh, shout out to mine, Deandra. Uh, you know, my business couldn't function without her. Uh, I think having somebody that uh, is your weakness uh, or, or has, can fill your weak spot. You know, if your weakness is an integrator, if your weakness is a, is a visionary, I think that's the first person that you should have uh, on your team uh, because those are just things that you're going to need ultimately to succeed and move forward, whether it's a visionary role and knowing what the vision of the company is, what direction you're going in, what new things are being adopted and tried. Uh, you know, you're going to need that from a visionary, from an integrator standpoint, somebody that can go take these things, put them to work, measure the KPIs, as Eric likes to say, uh, you know, manage the operation, manage the processes, uh, and manage that, that that next layer underneath them in terms of the operation, uh, I think is extremely important. So I'm going to say integrator for sure, or whatever your polar opposite is at the top of your uh, your chart. As someone that's currently doing business with CJ, I agree. Shout out to D. Um, not, not much would happen around there without her. So, uh, EB. Yeah. Uh, to, to CJ's point, I think anybody that's sort of come up through real estate in our particular niche of wholesaling and investing is familiar with the integrator, but I, I, I would label this title to make it business agnostic to be the chief accountability officer, right? So this is the person that when you talk about, when you look at the actual, like, core of the question is how do you make sure we win every day? Um, I think I can lead my business and it would continue to do very, very well for um, a long time. If I were to remove my integrator, who if you if you try and boil down their job description to one singular thing, it's chief accountability officer that ensures that everybody's familiar with what they're supposed to be doing when and how they're supposed to do it and then continually encourages and hold them accountable each day. Um, for me, that's the, the most important position um, on the team is the person that is willing to make expectations known and then hold everybody accountable to those expectations. For those of you that don't know, Eric actually has a chief for every letter of the alphabet in his office. It's pretty impressive. I talked to his chief growth officer yesterday. Um, Leon, what you got? <clears throat> so thank you, Eric and CJ, for actually answering the question with a position where Steve apparently has this mythical position Unicorn. that just goes around and raise, raises people's chins up and didn't actually answer the question. 
This answer is, it depends upon where you are in your phase of business. Eric's phase of business, I mean, he's got a lot of glue guys and gals on his team because he's grown a massive organization, right? So it depends on the phase of business which you're, which, that you're in. I feel like the most important glue position when you're just starting out with a smaller team, maybe you're a solopreneur, is that first hire, and it's usually an admin person. That's the person that takes all the the small task off your plate that allows you to do the, the, the bigger money task. So to me, when you're first starting out, it's the admin role. As you start to grow a team, the to me, the, the most important position on a small team is the lead manager, both inbound and outbound. I think that, that person right there is your director of first impressions and holds your team together to allow you to get to where CJ gave you that integrator role. So I think it's the position that's most important from a glue standpoint of, of holding you together to get to that championship level, it changes at each different phase. Um, and and those, are the, those are the three for me, admin, uh, and then lead manager and eventually integrator. So I apologize for not giving a title. So we call it coordination action officer, right? That's uh, we had uh, the good fortune of having Larry Yash come through and coach our organization. And so the title of that was coordination action officer. Their chief responsibility was making sure that the communications were effective, making sure that everyone was talking to another and no one felt like they were on an island. So I apologize for not giving a title. You need a title. It's the coordination of action officer. So can we all have a second chance to answer the question correctly or RJ will his <laughs> much better second response be eliminated the way that it should be? I was going to say before Steve started, um, there's a couple of you on this one that you need to really up your game before you get negative points on this. Yeah, you guys, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> well, RJ, why don't you give out a couple of words here? You could give worst answer to Steve, Thank longest you. to Leon, um, and did RJ go or was his answer just that bad that no one remembers it? RJ or CJ? Yes, I'm sorry. I get you guys mixed up on nah, I, I gave the, well, we look alike. I gave the most quality <laughs> answer. Uh, but I, I want I to secondhand what Leon said also. My first hire uh, way back when was an admin uh, VA. Um, and I'm shocked how many people go direct to hiring a cold calling VA as their first hire in their wholesale business when they're starting out. Uh, without reflecting on the fact that cold calling yourself is what got you there and got you revenue in the first place. I don't know why everybody is so keen on immediately replacing themselves, the person who generated the revenue for the business, uh, with somebody that's a virtual assistant, when you could continue to do that for yourself by taking some of the admin tasks off the plate. So I do think Leon had a good share. For sure. I think if you think about it, right, like, as your business grows, the admin support that you need just grows, right? It's like, in the beginning of your business, that admin support may mean like some paperwork or pooling of lists or stuff like that. Then as you become, you know, a person that employs 10 to 15 people, admin work starts to become um, different scopes as your business grows, right? And once you have 100 employees, your integrator is actually doing a lot of your admin work that just now is a higher stakes level of admin work. So um, I think it's a good point that depending on where you are, you need to continually level up your play, but then the level of support that you get needs to grow as well. You see that CJ to your point, two good answers, not just one after like hearing everybody else, just let Steve go last. Cause it's clear that he just tries to blend everybody else's answer into his own. <laughs> it was the same it. answer. 
I just <laughs> Leon wanted a title, so that I gave him a really title. Bad, that was a horrible answer. I, I saw you might Leon's not like eyes. the answer, but I'm giving a title to a horrible answer. answer. We didn't like your like gibberish. It wasn't an actual. Don't call it an answer. <laughs> it was not an answer. Decisive. Um, we're we're gonna have to throw another negative out there. The negative is gonna go to Leon because he taught trash to his time eclipse he finally threw out your most important glue role is your first hire that's not an answer and then he said something else but i fell asleep cj dominated that one great job cj my god all right this is officially the longest question in pardon the disruption history so let me just try to read all this okay with messi joining inter miami on a profit sharing deal with Adidas and the MLS's season pass revenue via Apple and passing down a billion dollar deal from Saudi Arabia. What are your criteria for joining a new partnership? CJ. Uh, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of football. All right. I like American football, uh, but I think soccer is electrifying. I think the audience is incredibly large. It's like formula one. Uh, so look, here's my thought. I, I think you asked for equity. I think he made the right play. I see all these memes floating around the internet in the last 48 hours about how Messi has turned down from the Saudis 1.6 billion. He's crazy. Uh, I think soccer is an emerging sport in America still. I think MLS soccer is an emerging sport. I saw some other, you know, flyer where or meme where David Beckham bought this team for like $25 million or something like that whenever he did. Uh, and it's now worth $600 million. Uh, so I think this is what you would call an emerging market. I think Messi's made an incredible amount of money in his career. Uh, and I think that he's taken a chance and taken a shot at getting equity. And I think the lesson in this is always, uh, if somebody's willing to pay you over three years, $1.6 billion, uh, I think you should drastically consider what your equity would then be worth in that opportunity. And I think he's showing that. We hear about guys like, was it Bobby Panilla from, I think his name is from the Mets, uh, we hear about, uh, we hear about people like Allen Iverson, who's got a Reebok, Reebok equity contract that's going to pay him $32 million uh, at the age of 50 something. Uh, I think if you have an opportunity to get equity, especially in an emerging opportunity, imagine if you got equity in UFC, uh, in the first three years that it was created as a fighter. Uh, and then UFC went on for another 10, 15 years, came the organization that it is. Eric's hitting his watch. Cause it's time to make money to make money. You get equity. That's how this thing works. after three, bro. <laughs> Like, <laughs> uh, uh, Bobby Bonilla, but yeah, um, you know Eric, what I'm talking about. He's not a hockey player. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Eric, what you got? Um, yeah, I think um, in this, I'm going to figure out a way to make this about a more interesting sport. Um, the movie Air just came out not too long ago, and if you watch that movie, it talks about Nike and Michael Jordan um, were the first to ever make the sneaker about the athlete, not the athlete joining an existing brand and an identity. And he was actually the first to get revenue share, right? If you look at the goals that he had, they were laughable. I think he had to, in order to hit bonuses, um, had to hit like, uh, you know, hundred million in sales and he did 10 times that amount. And I think we're starting to see this now where like, let's face it, all of these leagues are player focused, right? If it's not for guys like Messier and Jordan and LeBron and pains me to say that, but like, there is no league, right? So, like, I think to CJ's point, if they're willing to pay you 1.6, what's in it for them? 
So I think we're starting to see this partnership in sports that has been much like other businesses where the player that brings the actual excitement to the league gets the share in the upside, not just the salary or a big check, and they lose sight of the bigger picture. And that's what I look for in my partnerships. What's the bigger picture? Do our values align? And what's the long-term goals? Wow. Okay, guys. Um, I don't know if y'all are aware of this. It's it's 50 seconds is what you get, okay? And the question is about soccer, not the NBA. It's so, actually uh, about Leon. partnerships, Leon. And as the host, you should yeah. be manning stock. <laughs> Do your job. Know your job, Patriots fan. <laughs> so is it my turn now, RJ? As yes, who knows? it's your it's turn. turn. It's your turn. Okay. All right, I'm going to focus on the second part of that uh, that long question, which is what is the criteria of joining a new partnership? And first and foremost, it's need. Do I need that individual um, to, you know, to, to move the business to another level, right? Do I have a need for that partnership? The second is, to Eric's point, is are we equally aligned on goals? Because obviously if there's a need, and we're not aligned on goals, there's no way that I would enter um, that partnership. And the last part of that is simple and easy is trust, right? If there's a need for it, we're equally aligned, and I trust that individual, then it makes sense to do. Great job, Leon. On time. Steve, what you got? So I actually have a list of questions I already asked myself anytime we have a new opportunity or partnership presents itself, right? So the first one is, Will this get me closer to what I actually want? We call this our solvable problem. Will this be easy, lucrative, and fun, right? Is this going to be worthwhile? Is this going to give me uh, asymmetric upside? Like, can I win big and minimize my losses uh, if this doesn't go well? Uh, is this in line with my core values? And is this going to be with people that I like, right? I think these are all things that have to happen in order for me to consider a partnership. So um, I'm pretty clear on this, but I would also like to talk about later on after our times are all done, going over uh, perspective on Messi's decision. Steve's one of those guys that, like, when he doesn't have a good answer, he just uses big words to, like, <laughs> people. You literally <laughs> watched me present on this on stage. What? <laughs> You've literally seen me present these exact questions on stage. With my I only help, have one I, regret I on any partnership, and it's with Eric. I probably had oversight on those presentations, which obviously has a big impact on the quality. So uh, let's get together and huddle up about 15 minutes before next week's show so I can sort of do a dry run with your answers and level up a little bit. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. If you're messy, you take the equity. I don't know. How, what's his career earnings, RJ? You're the statistician today. What's, what's A lot. This, this guy's made an insane amount of money. I mean, what does he want to stay over there just to continue to compete in the argument of who's better, him or Ronaldo? No, you go get paid and you set up lifetime, generational, generational, generational wealth. And you only can do that most times by equity. Um, not that he didn't have it already, but if he wanted to take it to another level, which it seems that he does, uh, coming and doing this deal with, with this Miami team, and getting involved and getting a piece of the equity. I mean, who, no well, tell. But the terms of the deal haven't even come out. Go ahead. But he, there's no equity in in the franchise that he's receiving. That was made no, very clear. It's equity in the visibility of the sport, right? So if he can increase visibility of the franchise, right? Maybe he doesn't have equitable interest in the franchise. But if he can, if he can take MLS Stalker and and 
you know, take it another hair up, right? Like, so a, a centimeter up past hockey, right? In America, and make this a, a mainstay topic in sport. And we start using it like we're using it right now as a topic on pardon. Uh, Apple and whatever the other company is, these rights that they have uh, to this league that are going to produce big dollars. We hear all the time about uh, the broadcasting contracts between NFL teams. We hear about the broadcast contracts with NBA teams. It's insane how lucrative this will probably be. That's well, how much I, I don't know. Come over here. It'll be lucrative for sure. But I mean, you're passing up on $1.6 billion. How much upside are you chasing to pass? Well, once on it was 1.7, it was a good deal. Once it's yeah. 1.7, so, you're you're gambling here. You're you're putting this obviously you're betting. This wasn't about money though. This wasn't about money. During the World well, Cup, they talked money. about how he's how he was potentially coming to the MLS because he already has a house in Miami. This was about him making a family move. Obviously, if it was about money, he would have taken the 1.6. Pretty simple. Steve, don't let Leon box you out like that. You gotta have a little <laughs> he literally he just, he just yeah. boxed you out, bro. You were midpoint, maybe <laughs> He just bullied you. If right this out was of the about, way. well, it's obviously not about money. Because if it was about money, right? If we're talking about, you're literally the math is you're betting 1.6 billion dollars because that's what you're taking off the table. Like you're putting on the blackjack table or whatever. 1.6 billion dollars guaranteed. I believe so. I mean, we don't have all details. Fully right? guaranteed. I, I think you got you guys kind of sound like uh, the guys in CG, Leon, you remember when you guys in CG did that presentation about going and buying up local wholesalers and having them come work for you, uh, because they don't care about <laughs> equity. They just want a nice, pretty little contract and they want a business card that they can take out to the bar that says creative arts director for collective genius. Right. And they, and they feel so special. That's what I'm hearing in this conversation. Who, who, why are we having a conversation about passing up equity in an emerging business? What are we talking about right now? We're not, he's not giving up equity, right? He's giving up revenue share. Or he, it, it's revenue share. Rev share. Money. Rev share. Right? Fine. Same thing. Right. Yeah. Share, not the same thing, uh, but you guys understand what I'm saying. Yeah. But now you're betting on yourself, right? This is kind of like when Kanye went crazy and got all his contracts canceled, right? It's like, I'm betting on myself. The question is, what is, this, what is a reasonable bet? You're betting $1.6 billion for rev share here. I think at some point, if it's about the money, I hear you. A bad, a bad bet. Billion dollars on yourself. A bad bet is 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 Tiger not joining Live Golf, and twelve months later, oh, yeah, and twelve months twelve months later, he 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 played himself out of eight hundred million dollars out of loyalty yes. to. We're not there yet, CJ. All right, let's, I haven't let's heard the question. I didn't even know this was a question. Go. That's yeah. a I know, negative you never point. Know what honestly, the RJ, are. does that qualify <laughs> as a negative point for skipping ahead? <laughs> when did Eric become this tattletale? Man, is this like preschool with Eric over here? <laughs> teacher, teacher. Tough, okay? We've heard you on this point, okay? What I heard Steve say is, this is an interesting topic. I'd love to have a conversation. Everyone knows where I stand on this. I teach from stage. That was so bad, it's worth negative two points. Move him nice. down in the negatives, okay? Leon, you get the point, all right? Good job. Nice. Wait a wait a second like on that one. All right. Uh, before we move on to our fourth question, uh, today's episode of Pardon the Disruption is sponsored by the new sponsors. Okay. One, Titanium Investments, greatest wholesale company ever. Two, the Titanium Vault, the greatest real estate investing podcast of all time. Okay. Way above real estate disruptors. 
gasification company ever. Okay. Oh, back let's in move business on to the fourth week. question. Uh, <laughs> last week it was being sold for a piece of bread. Uh, <laughs> keep getting the talk. All right. Uh, it's what's his hedgehog, the best... Derek. It's his hedgehog. Oh, got okay. it. Got it. What's the best <laughs> business book you've read recently, and how has it helped your business? Leon. All right. So the best business book that I've read recently uh, was gifted to me by Jason Medley, founder of Collective Genius. Uh, one that um, it's, it's very simple, very easy. It's called Buy Back Your Time by Dan Martell. Um, the byline on the book is get unstuck, reclaim your freedom and build your empire. Um, I talked to a lot of real estate investors that can't get out of their own way. We talked about that admin role. Um, I was struggling with this myself. I was completely overwhelmed with menial tasks and uh, felt like those menial tasks um, couldn't be done at the highest level uh, that, that I could do them at. Um, and what I really liked about this particular book is that it broke it down in terms that uh, I could really utilize and help the individual that was going to take over for me uh, do. And it simply breaks things down into a playbook. You want to get these menial tasks off your plate. When football players go into training camp, they give them a playbook to understand what they're supposed to do. To Eric's point with the New England Patriots earlier, they know how to do their job because they have that playbook. That book is great, and it's helped me tremendously buy back my time to focus and have think time. That's super important. Steve talks about that quite often. That sounds like a, a great book for someone of your age. Um, Steve, um, for anyone that's you know listening to uh, certainties, actually, be not surprised here, but I'll say rigging the game. You know, the game, the book talks about identifying and having crystal clear idea of what you truly want in life and making sure all your decisions in life and business are actually in alignment with that versus playing someone else's game. You know, so often we uh look to all these other uh people and masterminds and podcasts and this and that, and we want to change our approach in business to model someone else's and thereby risking moving away from what we truly want, which is time freedom, fun, money freedom, relationship freedom, right? I don't have to talk to CJ or Eric because I'm obligated to. I'm talking to you know RJ because I want to, right? So these are all things that if you're clear on what you want, uh, and the best way to get that clarity is uh, reading the book, reading in the game. Great answer there, Steve. Um, I didn't listen to a word you said. You probably are not going to win this round. CJ. Appreciate it. I saw that you were distracted. <laughs> uh, best book I read recently uh, by far is $100 million Offers by Alex Ramosi. Uh, it was a book that I read and gave me incredible insights on just structuring things better for my community, better for my audience, better for the people that purchase my products. Uh, and it's allowed us to be able to put products and services together uh, for people that really give them uh, every single thing that they need in order to be successful and not just what we think that they need. Uh, give us the ability to be able to take a look at the data, the information we had on the people we've been able to service over the last three years and really determine a hard line on what was the best things uh, that they need and what were often the things that were missing uh, and helping them achieve their goals. And we we found those, those secrets in that book. Uh, so if anybody hasn't read it and you're in the business of marketing, to anyone or selling products or services, 110% should be a read. Love it, CJ. Aaron, what you got for us? 
What books have you read recently? I wouldn't necessarily call it a business book, but it's had a huge impact uh, on our business. I'm just about finished it right now. It's Kobe Bryant, The Mamba Mentality. And um, it's brought our entire uh, team together. You know, Kobe was, was this figure that had this way of like sports fans really admired his, his, his accomplishments and his work ethic. But he's also very endearing to like um, women that have absolutely no interest in the sport, right? Because of how he operated as a father and a husband. Um, and then he went on to be a phenomenal businessman. Um, so yeah, I, we're, we're having a great time. Our entire company just read this book and there's like now uh, Kobe posters all over our walls um, in different areas of the office to inspire the behavior that we want from that department on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, so there's a lot of recency bias in my answer, but uh, the answer uh, or the question said most recent, and I literally am just finishing that book right now. And it's, 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 an, it's brought us all together as a team and, and everybody's speaking Kobe language around the office right now. The follow-up would be what other books are in your queue that you are preparing to read? We give answers at this phase in the show, Leon. No more question suggestions. We're supposed to do that. And, what and, what and, am I supposed to tell you? Your your book sucks? What, and, what do you and, want? Well, I was wondering, actually, when Eric brought it up, was that a picture book? Because it seemed really appropriate for Eric to be going through a picture Listen, book. Listen, it's got to be um, worth mentioning that everybody twice a show says to Eric's point, and no one says it about anybody else's point. So, RJ, when you're tracking like answers, it's got to be worth something that everybody says in their answer to Eric's point, right? So no. not, but you have negative points, so you never yeah, but have that's, a point. <laughs> but that's, your negative point. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I will I, I will uh, echo, though, what, what CJ said, uh, $100 offers for anyone that has a product to sell, I think is, is an incredible marketing book. So, you know, if you guys are selling anything besides uh, – uh, outside of real estate, I think you should definitely be checking out that book. It's a, lo a lot of remarkable insights um, in marketing. So to CJ's it point. It wouldn't <laughs> be an episode of Pardon the Disruption if we didn't give someone a point for bringing up the NBA. So, Eric, you get the point. I like your answer. <laughs> but I, I look forward to, to checking in all of those books, honestly. Um, fifth question. Like the PGA Tour merging with their competitor, the Live Golf League, would you merge with a previous employee who became your competition? Eric. Oh, man. Um, probably not. Um, and I can just speak from, I think, experience that. Um, oftentimes in most of my professional relationships – when they have ended now, the majority of the time there has been things that have been flushed out um, that either happened while they were here or things that became more visible when they were my competition um, that made that person not very desirable as a potential partner. And if you think about like live and PGA, and again, it's all about money for those two, but there was a lot of volatility between the players, um, the fans of those two, 
I don't know in how many instances, business, sports, relationships, that running it back ever works, right? Like a do-over, um, in my experience, has never, ever worked out with employees coming back to work. And I don't know that it would ever work getting into a business or partnership arrangement. Um, so money may cloud that judgment a little bit. My, my instincts tell me no way, Jose. I like how you were decisive on this one. That was good. Leon. It would have to be the perfect situation. And I think we go back to question number three with the criteria. I would have to have a, uh, an extreme need be equally aligned and trust that individual. And, you know, it's, it, again, this would have to be a perfect situation, but I'll give an example. Say you build your business on wholesaling and you have continued to grow that active income, but it's not a passion for you, right? You move on from that passion and you are now looking at growing other divisions, whether that's commercial, lending, what have you. And that individual has continued to grow that particular business and you're equally aligned, looking at a merger to, to run that division for you. That may be a perfect scenario to be able to do that. But again, it would have to, you would have to be equally aligned and be a perfect scenario for someone that left your company. Okay. I, I think there's a little bit of this question that we're missing out specifically with the PJ tour and live tour part. I want to see if, if someone kind of dives in that. What you got? Uh, so before I answer, I just want to say shout out to um, Kip SOS investment properties. Right. He, he donated five dollars, says, love the show, RJ rocking it. So shout out there. Um, so for myself, it's a pretty quick answer. The mature version of me wants to say, yes, of course, the door is always open. Right. But the reality is uh, trust is violated in one way or another. And if you look at any organization, trust is so paramount. You've got to have trust with your partner. And I don't know how you rebuild a trust with someone that's left. I've had many good quality relationships where they left our organization to go do something else. And I wish them nothing but the best. And there's no uh, ill will or bad blood there. But then to try to reestablish this trust, I just, I don't know if I'm mature enough to be able to, to, to make this happen, to trust another person to start another partnership with someone that's left. As someone that's gotten to know you over the years, you're definitely not mature enough. So, <laughs> CJ. Uh, I think this is a really good question. You know, I think my my pride and ego would tell me that that I wouldn't, and I most likely wouldn't, um, you know, for a lot of different reasons. But ultimately, I don't really see it as competition in any way with anyone. Like, I'm just running my own race, I'm doing my own thing, and I'm trying to execute on the things in which I want to do and how I want to serve uh, myself in my own life. Right. So I don't know that I would do it in that regard, but on the flip side of that, you know, I think that when you take the emotion out of business and I don't think emotions have a place in business, I think when you take the emotions out of business and if you look at it just from a business perspective, uh, you know, look, if I'm, if I'm blockbuster and Netflix is trying to buy me out or merge, uh, back when that was all going down, I think, I think blockbuster executives would, would circle back now and say, yeah, I think we probably made a mistake there. So I think you got to be in a position where you can take a step back without emotion and truly look at, uh, does this person have some sort of competitive advantage that ultimately could absorb or, or wipe out my entire market share? And if so, 
while I do still maintain some leverage myself, does partnership make sense or not? And I think it could. Uh, but for all intents and purposes, I likely wouldn't. Uh, but great question. So going back to the PGA. Before, the, be, yeah, uh, be, before you go into it, RJ, give us a chance to, because we're going to get into the, the live part of it. Talk we're going to get there. Birthday, yeah. We're, well, we're I, I think everything there. we're saying applies to that, right? Because if you look at the live golf situation, I think the PGA realized that the prestige that the PGA Tour name held isn't the same in this era as it may have been in the the eras that, with, that predated now. And I think that the reality is this, is that players are playing for big money. Players want to get paid big money and have the awareness now that, that the tour is generating insanely healthy profits year over year as well. And they want to share that. Uh, and so I think live again, like I was just saying, that's what I meant about leverage. I think live took a lot of that leverage and I think the PGA tour unfortunately had to make a decision based on that and say to themselves, well, okay, look, I don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to beat that backing that they've got. They've got Saudi backing. I don't know if we can. That's beat right. That. And so if you can't beat them, join them. Do we want the PGA tour as a brand, as a, as a household American name to get just completely wiped out? Uh, or do we want to figure out how we can take some of this backing? Cause this is what this is really about is getting access to the funding, yeah. right? Can we take that funding and use it to build this brand and maintain that versus getting wiped out. So I don't so think it was. A, I, I don't think it was about taking. I don't think it was about taking. I think this had everything to do with the question: Is would you merge? Right? That's where this this question starts, right? Would you merge? They had no choice, and they noticed that and realized that after time, where people kept leaving, their talent was going to continue to leave because the Saudis were going to continue to spend money. So our question to us was, would you merge? The PGA Tour realized that they did not have a choice. At, at some point, they were going to just continue to steal their stars because of the way that the PGA for hundreds of years hasn't run uh, the, the business like the NFL or like the NBA. So as far as the, the perspective with PGA and Live, right? And what I was talking about as far as trust, you've got parties from different entities just throwing pot shots at each other. There's no way that we could build trust and cross that bridge later on. So for that scenario, I would say, no, absolutely not. We wouldn't merge. The business aspects, I don't fully understand the, the image there or the, the, the relationship, but the trust between the two has been grossly violated and I wouldn't merge under, under those circumstances. And, and, and yeah, in this particular case, it, it's, a, it's an independent contractor league, right? The NBA doesn't have a bunch of independent contractors. They have a union, right? So this made it really, the setup made it really difficult for them to continue to push live off and therefore the reason they had to, to make this merger. I think businesses of a certain size, just to end it, I think businesses of a certain size at some point, they grow and scale based on merger and acquisitions. And so from a business standpoint, I think the PGA Tour just had to look at it and say, hey, we can't afford to pay these guys this type of money. This is the type of money they now want to be able to make. Before this tour gets too big, because it's already starting to get a little big, before we let this live tour get too big, we need to we need to kind of go merge with them. We need to get involved in that and take that over and kind of shut that down before it gets too large. I, I felt like there was a lot of uh, really good answers on the, the actual partnership. Would you merge? I like how we tied it back in. 
I, I felt like Leon was the most informed man on the panel, like he always is. So, Leon, you're going to get the point here. Guys, for our sixth question, we, we have a round of really fun questions. Can we do like a lightning <laughs> round where we have multiple questions? Are y'all cool with that? We're like, we're, we're early. Are we cool with that? Yep. All right. Very yeah, good. If I can get, yeah. If I can get out of the negative one, any shot I can to get into the zeros, we appreciate it. Wrong question. So make these fast, okay? Don't be long-winded. Looking at you, Eric. Don't be All Leon. Right. Got it. Question number one. We're going to start with you, Leon. If you can make one of your body parts detachable without any negative repercussions, what body part would it be and why? Uh, left arm, because I can still walk and I can still use my right. Wait, what's the question? <laughs> what? Pay attention. Come on, quick. Lightning round. Let's go. Uh, what's the question? I would, I would say uh, the my calves. Um, you know, they're too <laughs> goddamn big. So I, they're, they're holding me down. I can't Hold jump. Up. They're too damn heavy. I can't oh jump. <laughs> CJ, what body part? Would you detach if there was no negative repercussions and why? If there were no negative, what would body part would I detach? Probably my one yeah. eye. Yeah. I would yeah. take one eye so I could be technically two places at one time. I'd take another eye so I could be two places at one time. Eric gets the point. All right. Next question. <laughs> replace all of the grass in the world with something else what would it be and why eric oh my god uh medicinal weed <laughs> a farm farmland food you can eat food that's what i was gonna say <laughs> I didn't copy Leon. He scrambled there before I said it. Yeah, I was just going to say some form of dirt, man. I mean. <laughs> out the mud. Respectfully out the mud. Right. Yeah, I want, I, want some sure that, I, want some that, I want some of that Yuma, Arizona dirt that we can ride ATVs and UTVs on, four-wheelers. We call that summer. Richmond Gold around here. Oh, Richmond Gold. <laughs> Eating meat or wiping your ass? You have to give one up. Which one it be and why? <laughs> uh, eating meat because I've seen the impact of not wiping your ass uh, <laughs> by being around Steve Trang uh, for three to four days at a time. And it's it, it leads to a nasty infection and the dogs keep bothering with it. And it's just gross. I already eat and don't eat most meat, so meat, easy for me. Wiping your ass. I get a bidet. I'd be fancy. Oh, my God. I'd give up the meat. This might be the only thing that'd make me give up meat, man. Guys, please wash. wash just wipe, wash and wipe your ass, please. Wash, wash. Wash and wipe your ass, man. Get some, get some, get some, some wet wipes and do yourself a service, all right? CJ, the point there. Okay, CJ, you're. this is the last one, okay? This one's a little bit more serious, okay? Yes, sir. You're now the president of the United States, all right? Mm. But you can only make changes that improve the lives of real estate wholesalers. 
what three things do you do for the wholesalers? Oh, uh, man. I create an incentive for first-time home buyers that we've previously had. I take away the 90-day FHA flip rule, and I'd make all loans from Fannie and Freddie non-recourse. All right, so your first 10 loans. Uh, the government's got the money. They keep printing it anyway. If the first 10 deals go bad, like these big commercial guys are doing right now, you keep rolling, keep rocking it, and get down the road. That's my three. Eric? I would uh, make it free for them to join the Crucible wholesaling course. <laughs> I would give them grants for them to have Steve Trang's sales training. And I would uh, provide tax credits for anybody that joins uh, the U and CG. There it is. All right. Leon. Uh, man, I got one. With all of that, I've got one. Uh after a certain amount of deals, they automatically get licensed, right? So they, if, if licensing is going to become an issue, after X amount of deals, you're now a licensed wholesaler. How do you get the deals if you're not licensed, though? You just encourage them to operate illegally? First five deals license-free, baby. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> and his play call was take a knee. All right, Steve. <laughs> Uh, I would say uh, unlimited grant money for marketing, right? They can market as much as they need. As uh, I think that's really all we would need for them. We don't need three. I think they had unlimited marketing money. That's just like everybody, everybody having money. zero. Then it's if everybody. No, it's has just the wholesalers. Just imagine, the wholesalers. Eric. unlimited marketing. We don't money. compete with anybody but other than other wholesalers. Imagine so, unlimited marketing money and somebody still telling me they were scared to cold call. That'd be incredible. Why would you cold call if you had unlimited marketing dollars is my question. Because you could hire unlimited marketing VAs. And then while people were sending out their direct mailers or you were buying every TV ad known the man, Leon was on the radio with his, you know, he's got that smooth radio voice. All right. Steve was just firing up podcast after podcast. We'd be on the phones, man. We'd be, we'd be on their phones, baby. We'll be on every phone in America well, without unlimited budget. You, you got to do your agent outreach, Eric. You said you have to do both, so you got to do your yeah. agent outreach. Go <laughs> call right. to wrap this up. It's time to go. Um, Leon tried something. He tried to hell Mary there at the end, but uh, Elias, if you could fix the scoreboard, um, we got to give uh, Leon for a pathetic answer there at the end, negative 10. Uh, wow. Steve, Steve, just so he can finish in last place, negative 11. CJ went the win there at the end. Eric, congratulations. At least you were in the not negatives like Leon and Steve. Uh, what a <laughs> riveting episode of Pardon the Disruption. I, uh, I personally Probably the worst episode we've ever had. The, the top or the second uh, best episode, probably because it's the two where I hosted, were the best. Uh, but CJ, Easily you're the worst episode today, we ever had. So uh, throw us out. Yeah. Congratulations, No, thank you guys. Sincerely, I, I look, it's good to be back. I appreciate it. I hope you guys had a good week last week. I, I, I do want to say, I just, I did get a message. I don't know who sent me this from an anonymous number, um, but it says, and it reads, I guess the, I guess the higher Matthew Potter link is back up is what it says. I don't know who <laughs> sent this to my phone. All right. I don't know. I really don't know who sent this to my phone, but shout, shout out to my guy, Matthew Potter, man. I see him on IG and Facebook with the wife. Nicole looks like he's having a great time. 
great vacation uh steve he told me to tell you make sure it's pto as well all right paid time off is what that <laughs> means by the way uh charge up university my next class is next thursday the 15th go to startflippingdeals.com to sign up i'll see you there much love uh appreciate you cj um eric what you got for us uh had fun today uh i would tell you to uh reconsider um pushing rj out of the host spot because that then means he gets to answer questions so you gotta pick your poison there right like much (laughs) rather have him in this position where he only gets to talk for about 10 seconds at a time versus 60 seconds at a time leon need you to step up the shirt game you look like you bust tables at a high-end seafood joint Um, (laughs) i wanted to have you grab me uh a new ice water. There it is. Not paper. I told you it was high end. I don't know what's up with that, but I'd like a side of honey butter. Whenever you get a chance, if I could get a a side of that honey butter uh, and ramalad for my crab cake, uh, I would appreciate it. Um, But we'll see you on the street. Bro, I I wish I could change the end result of this to make you the winner just for trash talking, Leon. (laughs) Uh, Leon. Uh, Welcome to this episode of Bizarro PTD, where the scores are negative, and I think this is like golf. Steve, you actually won this. I came in second because the lowest score wins. Love the Bizarro show. Excited to be on the next show when it's not Bizarro. Thank you for the laughs. Had a great time and excited to see at least a couple of you next week at CG here in uh, Clearwater Beach, Florida. And yeah, going to have a great time next week. Um, I'm not sure if Steve's still with us. Steve, are you still with us? <laughs> this is awesome. <laughs> the show just got better. <laughs> he walked away. Um, all right, guys. Well, Steve Train, salesdisruptors.com. He teaches you something. I'm sure it's riveting. Um, That's all he's got for you today. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in. This is a blast. Um, We wouldn't do this if you guys didn't show up and support us every single week. And uh, like some of the other guys said in in previous episodes, um, I get messages about PTD. I get people saying, dude, I love it so much. Keep it up. Um, So keep supporting us. And uh, thank you to Steve and his whole team for putting this on every week for us. It's awesome. All right, guys. Thank you. That's our episode. We'll see you next Thursday.